You're listening to the Sexy Vampire Teeth Podcast. Enjoy the show. Hey, Joe. Uh, hey, Matt. What's going on, man? Not much, not much. I'm just really happy we're uh, going to be talking about one of the best vampire movies of the past. 20 years, Morbius. Yes, the, uh, <laughs> the living vampire. <laughs> what does that mean? Oh, God. Well, we are going to be talking about one of the best vampire movies in the last 20 years, um, which is a movie that uh, I think most people have heard of, uh, for sure. Maybe not everyone has seen. Uh, maybe you've seen the, the American remake, but we're going to be talking about uh, 2008's Let the Right One In by director uh, Thomas Alfredson. Um, so this is a Swedish movie. Uh, like I said, came out in 2008, fucking blew away the genre at the time, and it won quite a few awards. Um, not that that's the be-all, end-all of a movie, right, winning an award, but it does say something about it, because this movie picked up an outstanding amount of awards. Wasn't nominated for a fucking Oscar, uh, but it was because of some kind of conflict with uh, Sweden's like uh, film board. But um, Okay, yeah, I was wondering about that, why it wasn't. I mean, because yeah. it, it seems like it would have dominated the foreign film category. Yeah, not not, not to get into like the technicalities of, of it, uh, but because it kind of spanned like two separate years and could have been entered in, in both years, they had pulled it or something like that. There, there, there's like some like odd technicality about it, but it did it did win a BAFTA for the best uh, foreign movie. But, but No, uh, I, and I, I agree with you that <laughs> yeah. the end-all be-all isn't awards, but this movie definitely deserves recognition and attention you know to and so i agree with i agree with you on that point you know and and oscars aren't the only thing that matters obviously i mean it's where you get smacked apparently but it's not the only thing that matters <laughs> there, there are other things that recognize this film as being pretty outstanding and rightfully so the movie uh is about a vampire we kind of already mentioned and uh, it does take this genre into, well, subgenre, into a little bit of a different territory while being very familiar. The, th- the problem with the movie is that people just kind of shied away from it because it's not in English, you know? And it's not even like a, a foreign film that people would gravitate towards because, like, when people look into seeing a foreign movie, they, they tend to go to some of the more, like, popular, you know, Western European countries to watch something like a German foreign film or, you know, Italian or French, right? It's, like, very romantic. So mm-hmm. seeing something that's in Sweden, it's like, all right, you know. But let me tell you something. Sweden is not all Ikea and lingonberries. There are <laughs> fucking vampires and murderers. And shit's off the wall. So, yeah. uh, you know, we'll get into the movie, obviously, uh, throughout the episode and, and tell you what we thought about it along the way. I've always loved this movie. I saw it pretty much when it came out. I've been a huge fan of it. Um, didn't really care for the remake that well, but it was okay. And obviously, we're talking about this because two things. One, we're kind of talking about vampire-type stuff this month. And oddly enough, with the Batman which just came out. The remake was directed by Matt Reeves, who did the Batman. And also because this is something that like you were kind of t- telling me that you want to talk about at some point. You know, you had like a like a, a list, a short list of like here's some things I'd actually have a lot to say about. Mm-hmm. And and you talked about this being one, and I'm like I'd I'd love to find a, a way to talk about that movie. So we, we did it. Yeah, I mean I, I I think that um I mean I remember first seeing it uh, around the time it came out, and it really it really stuck with me. You know, because I I have seen the American remake. It was fine. I mean, but to me it was I don't want to insult it in any way. It just it was forgettable because when I think back on this movie i don't remember anything from the remake i think about everything from the original it's thematically powerful you know it's a movie that it doesn't preach it doesn't spoon feed you um but it has like these really strong themes that are played out and and leave you walking away with some ambiguity and and you have to really think about it it's visually amazing you know the cinematography some of these shots especially as the movie progresses they're striking you know i i feel like it's a movie that if you were to watch the trailer, cause I was trying to show my wife, like, I was like, Hey, this is one you might actually like to watch with me. <laughs> and we watched the trailer and it, it portrays it to be like this violent vampire movie, you know, because it basically just, it's all cuts of all the attack scenes. Yes. That's a small mechanism. It's just a, a point in the movie to propel this plot. She was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> and I was like, I promise it's nothing like that. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I think, it's, I think it's fantastic. And, you know, I, I always come away from these types of movies. I would call this a film, not to sound pretentious. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I come away from these types of movies saying um, I think it's accessible. You know, but I, I often I say that a lot about horror movies, you know, for example, um, you look at something like Silence of the Lambs, you know, which got Academy attention and, and is mainstream, even though it's a horror movie. 
similarly to this, I, I do think it deserves attention outside of the horror genre. You don't have to look at it like a horror movie. If, if you're not somebody who would typically watch a horror movie, this is still okay. Yeah. I don't know uh, if I made that point real clear. <laughs> no, it, yeah. In editing, it'll sound awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or I won't. And I'll just have or you just be like, no, he fucked yeah, that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I'm like, and I, I listen to you. You're like, it was worth seeing. <laughs> it was worth seeing. I think <laughs> it was a good movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> I identify as watermelon. <laughs> You're like, I never even said watermelon. <laughs> Where did you get that? Yeah, so, uh, well, what did you see first, actually? That's that's kind of what I was, I've been meaning to ask you. And we didn't, I, I was like, no, I'll just wait till we start the podcast. Did you see the American one first, or did you see this one first? Oh, no. No, I saw this when I was in, this is back, I think when it came out, I think it was like 2008. I saw it at home. I watched it. I remember I started watching it like 1 o'clock in the morning. I was just like, oh, I had a list of movies that had come out and I wanted to see, and I was watching it on my computer and i i was just gonna like check it out and like maybe put it off and go to bed and i watched the whole thing and i was just floored i was like wow that was that was not what i expected i, I saw i saw this one first and then i did see the american remake and the reason why it's so forgettable like you said is it's almost shot for shot and when that happens i feel like it's just it's so like lifeless you know you know like i said matt reeves directed it and he's pretty amazing but yeah i was a little like whatever about it uh, and and i i think that it was an attempt to say hey you know this is an amazing movie just as it is maybe the the subtitles put people off if we release it in america hey it'll it'll build up some more attention for it you know that and i think that by doing it shot for shot it is like an homage because it's really just about granting additional access is my best guess of the origin of that you know it's not yeah yeah and i'm fine with that that's the reason because i think a lot of people that have seen this movie did see it because of the mainstream american version you know which was okay but yeah. knowing that there was a better version out there that came first, obviously. Uh, I bet people said, like, oh, yeah, I saw that. It wasn't so good. They're like, oh, you got to see the original. Right. That type of thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, some people don't like watching foreign f- films, right? Like, it just it is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's not, it, and, it's, yeah. and it's honestly, like, in all seriousness, it's not to knock on anybody. It's just some people just don't, like, want to do it. Like, they don't want to. It's a different type of escape for them. So they don't want to read the movie. Like, they just want to, like, you know, kind of zone out or whatever. And they just have different like viewing experiences when it comes to a film, so like they don't have the attention for it. Not in the getting way of, into like, the uh, the subbed versus dubbed argument with people who watch anime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, so so not like you know to just make make it clear. I'm not like you know saying oh people that don't like you know can't watch a subtitle movie are like you know fucking stupid. I just I know that there's a lot of people that just don't have like the same kind of way of viewing movies or or an expansive way of viewing movies. So. You know, if that might be the only thing that takes someone out of it, then, then okay, maybe that's just what it is, and it's not for you, period. But it's a shame, you know, um, because it's quite a, quite a movie. Especially, I do think that it, yeah, I do think that it has to do with, have you ever been, like, watching a movie with someone? Like, I, I'm very, I pay complete attention to the movie, and I don't I don't sit there and play with my phone or this, that. You know, and I'll, and I'll be watching a movie for the second time with someone, which is always so exciting when you know it's an awesome movie and you want someone, like, see a really cool scene. And then when the really cool scene happens, you like you look over at them and they're like looking at their phone and you're just like, ah, oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I know. So I, I, think, I, yeah. I think that's a culture that people some some people really engage in a movie, which is absolutely necessary when it's subbed, you know, when it's in a foreign language yeah. versus, you know, if they're you know, if they're speaking your language, you can look away a lot. It's hard to really give a movie your full attention like nowadays. It just is. And especially, mm-hmm. like, someone that's, like, you know, busy with, you know, a lot of other things, has a lot of plates, you know, spinning like you and I do, right? Like, it, it is hard to say, all right, I'm going to take two hours of my day and just sort of focus on this alone, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It is. So, you know, th- there are some movies that, like, I'll watch, and I might not give it all the attention that I should or that I want to, but this is one that you have to. And it's funny because I watched this again recently, obviously, to, to see uh, to, for the episode. I didn't have to, but I wanted to. And uh, I was completely engaged in it. Uh, so, you know, to, to get into the movie a little bit, um, like we said, it's, it's it takes place in Sweden. You mentioned how, like, beautiful uh, looking it was. And it is. And, and mm-hmm. the whole movie kind of takes place in, like, one, I don't know, like, condo development or, ha- like, housing development or whatever you want to call it, you know, at night in the fucking snow. So, like, the setting is, is pretty, for the most part, you know, we get a couple of the places, like the school... And like, yeah. you know, some restaurant or whatever where like uh, other people are. But um, the primary setting of this movie is like this, this, this housing area where 
the two main characters live, which is Ellie, a female girl of 12, and then Oscar, who is a boy of 12 as well. They both live in the same uh, area. Ellie just moved in. Oscar's obviously been established as living there. Oscar is a, a kid who's bullied. And, and, and honestly, I feel like it's just character development. It's just... Oscar and Ellie. Yeah, it's and it's a movie that I agree with you. Like it's really the exploration of relationships, love, and death. You know, and it's kind of like this meditation on these 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 concepts. And the, the plot plays out, but you couldn't say like to summarize. Oh, here's what happened. It's it's almost incidental. You know. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, there's there you know storyline with some characters and things that happen and action shots for the trailer, like you mentioned, but. All in all, looking back, I mean, like, you know, because I usually like preparing notes and stuff for the show, I'll put down the plot of the movie and I'll detail some things out about what I want to talk about. But I'm realizing, I'm like, I don't really have much to say about that. It's a lot of just character development. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to talk about the uh, the kind of show and tell cop talking to them about murder <laughs> investigation. What? Oh, in the school? <laughs> Yeah, they're in school, and there's a cop walking around, not talking about, like, solving crimes, but talking about, like, the specifics of local murder investigation. He's like, and then, you know, they dis- you know, discovered that the body was this way, and he asks a trivia question, the kid gets it right, and he's almost like, he, he acts like he's weird, and it's funny that the, the Swedish word for okay is okay, so he's like, okay, you know, and... <laughs> You know, but I, I think it was an opportunity to develop that. Oh, okay, he has an interest in murder, but why was the cop there, t- like doing a show and tell on murder? <laughs> I thought they were in uh, kindergarten criminology. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest professor for today, local sergeant. <laughs> because because there's another scene in the school later on, and they're talking about the same fucking shit. I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. And then they go from that to reading The Hobbit at one point, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Oscar is sort of depicted as, you know, a, a little bit eccentric, obviously a lot strange. You know, the first thing we see with Oscar is him, you know, something that we probably all have done, right, at some point, is, like, just sort of, like, have a conversation with ourselves about, like, how we're going to have a confrontation with somebody, you know? Obviously, his is on the more violent side, because we could see very easily, uh, he is, you know, a kid that gets bullied quite a bit. So, yeah. but, you know, we don't really know what to think of this character yet, because our introduction to him could be, like, is he is he a fucking bully? You know, is he is he a psycho? Is yeah, he a is psycho? he like a yeah. yeah? They certainly like the first scene where he's like ominously ho- holding the li- the knife. You don't know what the, what is this kid about? You know, right? But you find out pretty quickly that what what it is. It's just that our opening could lead to quite a few things. When you know it's a vampire story too, I kind of thought he was one of the first time I saw it. Like I thought he would might have been like the, the the kid, you know. And when he knew about like how like arson worked and like oh well. There's no smoke in the lungs in the body, so he was killed before the fire was started. It's like, oh, he could just be, like, so old he knows all that shit. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, but obviously, uh, that's not the case. You know, Ellie is the vampire who just, like, moves in, right? Like, cause she pretty much just moves in the beginning of the uh, Yeah, I movie. think that's almost one of the opening scenes is he sees her. We get the, the, the darkness and then the snow over yeah. the darkness, which is kind of bookended at the end of the film. Yeah. Um, and then Ellie moves in, and we see... I don't know how we pronounce the uh, her familiar's name. Is it Hakan? I, I I thought it was Hakan. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna just call him Hakan. Sorry, ha- Hakan, if I'm butchering your name, but I don't think you mind. Um, yeah. Or we could just call it something different every time we say it, and then we get it right once. How do you feel about that? <laughs> we can do that. Pop too. quiz, hotshot. Let's call him Dennis Hopper. <laughs> Hacking. <laughs> Doesn't he look just like Dennis Hopper? A little bit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> He, he's, he's like basically doing the uh, the killing for her, you know. Um, yeah. The, the one of the uh, first uh, scenes with him is is like trying to kill someone in in the open wooded area. <laughs> like it's, yeah, like he's so sloppy about it. Like he's so yeah. meticulous with building his little murder hobby kit, like Dexter, but without a code. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> he he just stands around underneath a streetlight, just like. Yeah. Anyone? Mur- anyone will get murdered? <laughs> he's, he's, yeah, exactly. And then he goes and he kills them in a fucking Microsoft 98 background. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> an open, like, wooded area uh, where we get our first introduction to a character named Ricky the dog <laughs> because we don't know anyone's yeah. name yet. Ricky. Yeah. <laughs> that, that first murder is, it's so cold and just, like, yeah. procedural. You know, it's like he's just, like, he's hauling bricks or something it's just empty and sad there's no passion to it it's just so procedural yeah and really get that first uh indication of the attention to sound in this this these amazing gurgling sounds when he cuts the throat and the sound of the blood filling the jug 
that's something that uh, on the second watch, I really, it's so immersive. It's like, it's, it's almost gross. You know, some of the, like, they really, really go hard on, on those sounds, those blood sounds. I mean, we could talk about Hakan because, you know, he's not in it too, too long. He's, he's sort of like, you know, just a sad, like, you know, like despondent character, you know? Um, we don't really get to know too much about him. I think in the book, because this is based on the book, he was a pedophile. We don't really know why he's attached to her, what he's done, or what she's done to him that, that made this connection happen, right? I mean, yeah. like, there's nothing there uh, except for just, like, this really, like, depressing sort of presence he carries that he's just stuck doing this. Yeah. He really seems like, in his mind, his entire purpose is to serve her at this point. You know, is that when he, in that first murder, when he messes up and leaves the blood behind and she's yelling and screaming at him, he's just so disappointed with himself for disappointing her, for letting her down. You know, he's not like yeah. justifying or anything. He's just like, please forgive me, you know? And it's, I don't think it's fear. I think it's a complicated relationship. I assume the way a lot of other people did that he was a familiar, similar to, like they met when they were young. And he's been with her for all of these years. Did you get that impression? Yeah, but I don't know why, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think maybe there's a cutaway scene in the um, American version where they show a picture of him and Ellie together as kids is what it is. I think that's maybe mm. where that idea got planted in my head. Okay, maybe. I'm good with the mystery. Uh, you know, like, I, I, I don't need yeah. anything explained to me. I'm not saying that at all. It leaves a lot of questions. And obviously, anybody in this role as the hunter for her, he's, like, kind of like the uh, the lioness, you know, of the pride. He's going out and killing and bringing back bodies for her that she could, you know, yeah. feed on. Like, how, how how do you be a person and do that? You know, she's a fucking monster. There's a different, like, code of ethics for her, and she's a different kind of thing. But he's a, a, a man. And obviously, it does take its toll pretty early on in the movie. And, like, he fucks up. And, like you said, like, he's just so upset about, like, not being able to do this. She goes out and f uh, feeds herself on somebody. And it's, like, part of a group where, like, you know, a bunch of friends together. And they're like, yeah, what happened to so-and-so? You know, like, where, where is he? And that's, like, people start to look into what happened a little bit more. And that's, like, a really only threat to her, really. Uh, like we said, most of it's just character development. Um, but we, yeah. but, but the first introduction to Ellie is really at the playground at night, uh, where, you know, she's sitting on top of this, like, um, little playground in the middle of the, uh, housing development. Yeah. Um, I love that long shot of her standing up there, yeah. just kind of talking to him. And it's, you're in that scene for a minute before she lightly jumps down, which is like a really subtle thing. But the way that she kind of like descends from that, the jungle gym, like you can already see that she has powers yeah she's like supernatural very, yeah for sure yeah very cool um so subtle that you're like did i just see that yes, kind of thing yes. you know yeah absolutely but. the best way to put it it's it's very subtle something on the landing that that, that mm -hmm. makes it like otherworldly it's something supernatural that even if you didn't know what you were watching yet that alone was like why did they why did she fall like that that's odd yeah. um yeah you know and, and, and she's always kind of on top of the the, the playground for quite a while you know, in the scenes yeah. where they talk to each other, she's on the top. It's uh, I don't know if it's just a show of superiority, you know, because she is like a superior being, I suppose, or or they just like it to look like. But either way, it's memorable. And um, yeah. like when, whenever I think about this movie, I just think about that scene first. Like, that courtyard. Yeah, yes. they're all their meetings in that courtyard. Yeah. Yeah. That's like that's like the screensaver of the movie for me. You know, like that's what comes. Yeah, to mind. seriously, that you think of this movie and that's what pops into your head. So that's the scene where. Oscar's in the courtyard stabbing the tree, doing his uh his best Travis Bickle, you know, <laughs> living. <laughs> He's like, you talking to me? <laughs> I don't see anybody else here. Take that. <laughs> and he's like, like, oh, wait, there is someone else here. <laughs> with his Swiss Army knife. <laughs> yeah. We've already done enough Simpson jokes. I just, there's always one that comes to mind when I think about this movie. And it's, um, <laughs> so, so this movie is called Let the Right One In. And the yeah. remake, we didn't say, is actually just called Let Me In. And it's, like, so, like, such a tired version, right? Because, like, <laughs> it makes me think of the Radioactive Man uh, comic book that Bart was trying to explain the difference between Radioactive Man and Radiation Dude. And he's like, Radioactive Man has the catchphrase, up and Adam, what Adam spelled in a clever pun. He's like, well, Radiation Dude has up and let's go. <laughs> and I think of, like, let me in. It's like, all right. Let me in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i just wanted to fit that in there <laughs> yeah no that's great that's great 
So, yeah, like, so they're back in school, you know, in one of the following scenes, and the bully Connie asks, you know, jokingly, is it all right to kill the killer if you happen to meet him? You know, and I think that this is just one of, like, dozens of references to different kind of justifications for murder and killing and death. You know, we see a lot of this throughout the movie. Um, You know, even when that group of people you were talking about, they're in the bar, just chatting, drinking. Their topic topic of conversation is the death penalty. You know, is it okay to kill then? It's just so much about death and murder. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the theme is heavy. It's not subtle. Um, Yeah, for real. It's steeped. Yeah, There's also another kind of a motif, I think, of puzzles in general. You know, we there's this idea, you know, we see physical puzzles, but just I think that it's we don't know by the end of the you know, we never know Hakan's full story. We never know Ellie's full story. You know, there's there's these people that are just riddles wrapped in mysteries inside an enigma, you know. But yeah. <laughs> for example, like Oscar and his boogers, why did they put that on screen so many times? I don't know. Yeah. You know, just boogers running down his face. You know. <laughs> What's the first thing that they sort of do, Ellie and Oscar? Well, he gives her a Rubik's Cube. You know, so, like, that's, like, the not-so-subtle showing of all that stuff. Like, figuring out, like, this puzzle, literally. Um, and I thought it was really cool that we actually learned the Swedish word for Rubik's Cube, which is Rubik's Cube. I learned um, so much. I didn't know I knew so like, much Swedish. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always sitting here trying it's to like, pronounce my desk, and I'm like, ah, I don't know what this is. And it's like, dash Rubik's Cube, Pepsi Cola, Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> the scene, there's a scene basically where the bullies uh, are in the courtyard, and they um, they cut him, you know? So he bleeds, and, you know, obviously, like, we, we know about this movie more because of the promotional stuff in the title than, like, what we're being told. You know, her thirst for blood or whatever is, like, activated. and uh, But but there's a bond formed between them already. And I don't know what that bond is, right? Like, we, we, we obviously know what Oscar's feelings are towards Ellie, you know what I mean? Like, he's a simple kind of person to figure out in that aspect. Like, he, he likes her. Like, he likes her, likes her, right? But, like, what do you think Ellie's motivations are? Because... You know, she does lose Hakan, like, early on, right? So she's kind of on her own. So, like, do, do you feel like they're sincere, or it's just another form of manipulation where she needs, like, another yeah. person? You know, he lies to his mom about what happened, but he tells her, and she's like, Oscar, you have to stick up for yourself, and it'll work. And if things get worse, I'll protect you. Yeah. And so she offers her protection. And then that's where it's just like, suddenly I'm like, okay, so is she a mastermind? Is she grooming him as a new familiar? Or... Does she have legitimate feelings and concern for this kid or a mix thereof? That's part of the ambiguity of the movie, you know, is I, you know, one of the scenes where, you know, when he teaches, he gives her the paper to do Morse code through the wall. Yeah. And Hakan is against the wall where she wants to go. And she's like, move, move, move. And you see that like, she's like giddy and happy. And this isn't in the, it's not in front of Oscar. It looks like she's actually enjoying it. Yeah. So I, I definitely think that it's not just pure manipulation because we never see any kind of scene where she's kind of like twiddling her her thumbs like, like I'm going to get him, you know, but we do see scenes where outside of Oscar's direct presence, she's happy about him. But it doesn't spell it all out just because like she she's also a 12 year old girl still. Right. So there's going to be aspects of her life where she'll look forward to certain things. But I think overall, you know, Ellie's a survivalist and we like survivalists are just people that are hard to figure out, you know, you say that, but at the same time, I think we have to look at, we have to look at the situation through the lens of what it would be like to be a vampire, you know? So let's draw an analogy to like marriage, right? Um, Lovely. (laughs) Let's say you (laughs) intend, let's say you intend on like, you're like, "I, I want to be married someday. So you go out to, and you start dating a person and, you know, you, you don't manipulate, you actually fall in love, but you have this end goal of having uh, a spouse to make children with. But I'm just saying, like, as a comparison, are you masterminding this this person and manipulating, grooming them to be a spouse? Or is it just like, no, you you know, you're looking for a spouse to be married so, and you're actually in love with this person. So, like, I, I, I just don't think that there's malintent behind her and that's 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 what makes this movie great you know the fact that it's it's this type of conversation where i'm like 
I'm defending somebody who's recruiting a child to become their murderer to feed them blood, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. you know, that's, and, but, um, but that, and it's a legitimate argument because it's like, oh, it's under those circumstances, you know? Right. Now, as we mentioned a couple of times is, you know, Hakan doesn't make it through the movie because he tries to kill someone in a school, a high school kid. And it, it goes, it, the whole thing goes wrong. He's getting caught. Um, there's no way out of it, you know, whatever the case may be, but also, you see that this just, it just got to him. You know, obviously he's been doing it for a while. Just, we get that impression just on the way he moves and the way he, you know, goes about his business, um, how good he is at it, you know, in certain ways where he's prepared and he has the right tools, but the execution is always so great. Maybe he was, yeah. and now he's just kind of slipping in his older age. Like, I don't know, but yeah. either way he has enough, right? It's pretty clear that he's just done with all this and he attempts to kill himself in the school, right? By pouring acid on his face. Now he gets arrested and all these like mysterious murders are like sort of pinned on him and he's in uh the hospital but under arrest right do you did you did you feel like the that he was trying to actually kill himself with the acid or just like destroy his identity and just, you know like, i think he was caught so like he, i think he could have effectively killed himself but then they would have had his identity i think all he cared about is like his life is meaningless yeah. but he could hurt her by having his face be visible. So I, I, I don't think he intended for the acid to kill him. Like if it did, great. If not, it doesn't matter. His whole goal was just to erase his face, to melt his face off. You, and there was other ways he could just, he could just drank it, right? Like, and that could have yeah. been the end of it. Uh, they don't really know who he is, but you know, she comes in to, to visit him in the hospital, Ellie. That's the first time we see that she has to ask for permission to come into the room where she does actually just assist him in killing himself and that he's gone yeah i think that was the last thing that he could do is like he's like i'm i'm done I'm, this is my final use to you is that you know you can feed on me and then i took the fall for you and and then yeah and th those are those are two great shots is like the way that she's on the on the building when the nurse walks out yeah and then you see her climb up the wall like that was that was so striking like one yeah. of the best shots in the movie and then followed by the way he falls which is so perfect because it's it looks great and framed well, but it's all, it also sets the theme that anytime she feeds on somebody, she has to kill them. They have to die after or they will turn. Which plays a part in the movie later on where it doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they introduce a lot of the classic vampire tropes throughout the movie. And, and, and really, like, they break it down a lot more when they get to the scene where she's just flat out explaining things to Oscar who asks questions. You know, they go back and forth a lot. So, you know, we just make assumptions because we know, like, vampire, like, mythology a little bit, you know, from other movies and stuff like that. So we just make assumptions, which are pretty accurate in the movie. Um, and she explains things a little bit more. And that's something that um, goes back to the conversation was when she, you know, shows him what happens if you're, she's not invited in the house and comes in anyway. And she starts, I guess, just, like, physically breaking down, like, bleeding from, like, every orifice and pore at that point. Where he, like, all right, all right, I'll let you in, I'll let you in, you know? And, like, she's showing this vulnerability. Now, again, like, that kind of ties into what we were talking about before, where it's like, all right, well, you know, like, is she actually showing vulnerability, or is it another way of manipulating this kid, you know? Yeah, like, yeah it's just similar to, like, when um, he's like, here, have this piece of candy, and she, she's like, no, I can't. And then she does it anyway for him, but we don't know if it's like, once again, is it because she wants to do something for him? She'll just try it, even though she knows what's going to happen, or... Is she doing it so that he sees her try and then sees her get sick outside the bathroom from Candyman? And um, <laughs> yeah. didn't it look like the Cabrini yeah, Green bathroom? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we don't know. You know, there's every every one of those types of scenes, all the risks that she takes and, and things like that. You know, the first time I saw the movie, I went out thinking, oh, okay, so this is the story of how a vampire grooms a new familiar. But then I, I, I think that on subsequent viewings, I really started to see just the theme of love and relationships, you know, that it's so much about vulnerability, sacrifice, endings, beginnings, revenge, self-sacrifice, you know, all of these things, even rejection, you know, as you see the, the woman who eventually turns, you see all the aspects of a relationship kind of tied in there. And I, I do think that it's just meant to show you that it's a multifaceted type of situation. It's both. Yeah. It's both. Yeah. You know, cause you've already made like analogies to, to things that we go through. You know what I mean? And there is a lot of that in this movie. There's a lot of like, you know, relatable things to a very unrelatable situation. And the odd thing about all this is it's done with 12 year old kids, you know, which is a little strange. The movie doesn't spell out 
the morality of how you're supposed to feel. You know, they show us this stuff and we're left to draw our own con- conclusions. You know, that brings us to the scene where they're, they go, they're, the school trip goes ice skating and Connie, the bully, is threatening to push Oscar into the, to the ice hole. Yeah. Right in his ice hole. <laughs> <laughs> Such a hazard in Sweden. <laughs> you know, she's not just grooming him, right? But like, well, maybe it, it's a form of grooming. Telling him like how to handle like his bullies and how to like take care of this, like, you know, th- this thing that's going on. And, you know, he almost like takes on the form of a predator because like when he like fights back, so to speak, it's a lot more aggressive than like defending yourself. Yeah. Hits him pretty violently on like the ear and like fucking, you know, he gets cut up and he's like bleeding and shit. And, you know, it just like, it doesn't look good to the rest of the people that are there because it looks like he's the aggressor and he has no, like, he looks like a maniac. Yeah. He has no sympathy whatsoever. You know? No, he's proud of it. He's sitting there like holding the stick, which was a great, another great shot. The way they framed that that whack in the head. He's just sitting there with like this almost smiling, just very like, I did it. Like triumph is that. And ironically, his, his triumph, is placed next to the failure of Hakan to hide the body using that same tool, using that orange stick, you know? And that shot, following right after that, with the chainsaw going into the ice, didn't that look so cool? Like, how the hell did they get that shot? There's, like, you know, there's uh, not an an overabundance of, like, these amazing shots. Because a lot of the movies kind of stagnant, but when they do, like, show something that's unique... They do a pretty damn good job with it. The movie looks like it's something from the 90s for most of the movie. Yeah, So I think those really technologically or just advanced-looking, modern-looking shots, they don't seem jarring. They just seem really special. Yes. And And, and, and it's always, you know, less is more with everything, right? So, like, you remember a lot of these things because it's not like a Marvel movie where they're fighting, like, you know, 13 robots on a highway, (laughs) you know, like... (laughs) But you know what? And not to get too off topic, but like, what are the more memorable scenes in those kinds of movies? Well, well, for this, like, there's some shots that stick out, but like those Marvel movies where it's just like nonstop fucking like you know CGI fight scenes. The things that stick out to me are the conversational moments. You know, like yeah. when they're going, when they're they're all trying to pick up Thor's hammer on the table, right? Like those are the things that stick out in my head. I can't tell you who was fighting who when Ultron like sent his army to you know f- yeah. fight a made up country. Like I I have no idea what happened. You know. Um, <laughs> yeah, like in that whole scene up on the uh, on the floating continent, the best scene was Hawkeye. Hawkeye, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's like, he's like, it's like we're fighting robots on a floating continent. I've got a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So I wanted to talk a- about Ellie a little bit. Um, Elliot, yeah, Elliot. <laughs> So, first of all, is your name Ellie or Eli? You know, there's a little bit of mystery there mm. because the whole thing about that she was a boy and that was castrated, you know, we, you know, that she was originally a boy and at the time of her turning she was castrated, which isn't directly mentioned in the movie. I believe that's from the book, but we do see that mannequin shot of uh, her castrated bits. Um, yeah. It, yeah. It's just, it's that, that's like a odd shot. You know, uh, because yeah. the context is lost a little bit. Although we're just left yeah. to, because because it's too quick to see that. Like, it's hard to kind of distinguish. I think like with that real two second quick shot that there's a yeah. scar across her like vagina, basically. Is it? A, I don't. That's the. Th- I don't even know what bits it was. You know, like I remember when I first watched the movie. I didn't like pause it or go back or anything. I was like, what the fuck did I just see? You know, there's a lot. Of, she mentions like, what if I wasn't a girl? And of course, this is like double meaning and all this stuff about the vampire and whatnot. I want to talk about, like, her powers a little bit. Sure. You know, what we do see, what we don't. Did you see that, like, that when he wants to make, like, Blood Brothers with her, you know, the, the share the blood thing, when they go into that room, they're in the dark, her eyes, they glow in yeah. the dark. Yeah, I thought that was very cool. And then when she licks up the blood, she's not, it's not like a human tongue. It's like a, like a forked lizard tongue coming out. I didn't see that. Yeah. I must have missed There's that, a yeah. lot of, like, little things that, like... We don't really get the full extent of her her powers and what she becomes and her transformations. She looks very different in so many shots. Besides the shots where they obviously use a different actor or actress. Yeah. Well, they don't like. So I don't think there's ever a shot, and I could be wrong. Um, 
I don't I don't think I am. But there's no shot of her like growing fangs or anything like iconic looking like that. Like True. when she feeds, she's just sort of like an animal on top of somebody and you see it a couple times, but that's it's usually from far away and from behind. Yeah. Um Yeah, I don't think you ever see fangs in her now that I think about it. Or actually like taking a bite out of anybody, it's always like from like behind or her hair is covering it. Well, they didn't want to sexualize uh, her vampire teeth, you know. But um, boom, cheese. Because that'd be ridiculous. Now. Yeah, that's a stupid thing to do. <laughs> you know, she laps up the blood, and she's like, "Oh!" By the way, do you know? Apparently, the actress that plays Ellie is dubbed the entire movie in Swedish by oh. another act- actress with a deeper voice. I, I read that somewhere on when I was just kind of poking around stuff, and I was like. That's weird. I saw a cast listing, and I think they had that listed, and I didn't understand it. And then, yeah, I found the same thing out myself, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The The big thing that, like, kind of happens um, that we didn't really, like, touch upon that I kind of wanted to just briefly was that, like, Ellie does attack a woman, and she gets interrupted, right? So she can't kill her. Like you mentioned before, like, you have to... She, she kills them so they don't turn. Well, this is where she doesn't mm-hmm. get to finish the job, and this woman does turn. So we see, like, an adult woman being affected by, like, you know, um, the, the bite and changing. Now, the, the, the only thing in this movie that took me out of it a little bit and made me laugh was the cat attack. Yeah, it looked really... The, the CGI and the cats yeah. looked a little silly. And it just... Was that a thing from other vampire movies? Like, uh, I know that it's in, like, The Mummy and whatnot. Like, the cat sense evil type of deal. Right. It's, we're in yeah. Switzerland. So I don't know if that version of... Like, does it... Does it do you know anything about this in vampire history? I don't know that. I just know that like the mytho- like the the like some of the mythology behind like cats, right? Is that like they sense evil and and like spirits and ghosts and stuff like that? Like they kind of have like a view into like the other world. Where that comes from, I don't know. I don't think it's turned specifically uh, to like a, a vampire aspect, but I think in general, and they just use that because maybe it's just universal, and that's why it works. Instead of some, like, you know, Swedish thing, right? Because a vampire, in, in general, is just a universal thing that people can understand. So it was a good call to, like, take, you know, in a foreign film, like, you take... They could have made some kind of, like, urban legend from Sweden, right? And, like, we wouldn't know what the fuck it is. There's probably movies out there yeah. like that that we never saw, right? That might be great. But this was easy to, to sort of uh, take because we knew enough about them and they kind of live up to most of the vampire tropes like you talked about. We'll probably get into a little bit more in a few... Yeah, the, 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 we, we get a shot early on where, like, the cat senses, like, something, and we know, like, okay, like, so, something's up. And then they overdo it when the lady comes in. They all basically attack her. Um, so it's a weird scene. I guess they just had to think of some kind of transition to hospitalize her as quickly as possible because her, her change happens very quickly. She wakes up the next day, and she's sensitive to light, and she takes off her bandage, and she notices, like, she starts to thirst for blood. And even when she gets to that, the apartment of the, the cat guy... Um, she can't, she doesn't go in until she's invited in. What, what do you think? I I don't have an answer to this. When this conversation that happens through the door, through the glass door, what was the point of that? Like, was it, it didn't, it didn't do anything for me, but I I assume it was intentional. What do you mean? Like, what was the point of the conversation? Why frame it that way? Why frame it that way that she walked through the door and closed it and they talked through the glass? There could be nothing to it if you don't have anything. We could just I, skip over it. I wish I, I had want, something I would, important to say about it, and I would feel really yeah, cool. Yeah, no, I was just... If yeah. it, that's the thing. If it was just pointless, it was just there, it was just there, and we could move on. I, I didn't Maybe. know if you had any insights into it. No, nah, man, I got fucking shit. You, you, got, you stumped me. <laughs> I hope you're proud of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... No, I don't know. I didn't I, get that symbolism, whatever it was meant to be, but... Mm, I'll leave this in. I'll make us look human. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, this is why I'm like... It's like the straight. I think it's the only time in the whole movie the word vampire is said. Yeah, I mean, it, we we get we get like the vampire rules and stuff like that, you know, because he's asking, uh, and then also from the woman that turns, we like learn some of the weaknesses and stuff like that, obviously. But like in terms of like what we know about vampires and what this movie used and didn't use, mm-hmm. uh, and things that maybe they did on their own, like brought their own thing to it. Like what 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 do you what do you think about that? Um. You know, I thought it was very, it was well done. Like, it was very much in line with what your typical vampire would be. It didn't take any of the easy things, like they could drink other blood that's not human blood. Like, it had to be human blood, for example. It's interesting they didn't include the fangs, but I suppose she could have them. Well, yeah, or maybe, they, yeah, she could have, right? Because she, she obviously, like, 
bit into these people. So there has to be some kind of like either just really strong force or, or some kind of fang. Maybe they didn't want to do it. Maybe they wanted to just put the image in our head and say, oh, no, you, you didn't actually see that. And like, oh, shit, you're right. I didn't like like you just kind of mentioned before. Like, I didn't see that because you, you your mind goes there when you watch her attack people. But they didn't really yeah. technically show it, right? So there could be that trick behind it, or they just didn't have it in the budget. Like I don't, I don't know. Yeah, but this scene when they're talking is—I really feel like this is her. She's trying to like almost seal the deal here, you know, because she's like, "What? Well, she's like, what? You got a job to do tomorrow? Why for money? I can give you money. I can be your sugar daddy. I can be your sugar mama. You know." Yeah. Um, she's starting to discuss like the morality behind the fact that she kills. She's really like this is this is the scene where she she's really trying to recruit him yeah. as the new familiar. You know, how would you really define a familiar? I feel like this is something that we've been using this term a lot. And a lot of people might not know it in the context of vampire mythology. How would I define it? Yeah. If you're familiar with that term. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I thought almost like just like a like a human like vessel, you know, um, for like some kind of spiritual creature. Like, to use them for, like, any sort of purpose, I suppose. Not just, like, for what it is in this movie. But, but I don't know. I'm probably, probably wrong on that. What, 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 what are you using yeah. it in terms of? And that's the thing. is I Here are my two um, understandings of familiars. Is One is, you know, there's this trope of familiars in a lot of movies where they're just humans that do vampire bidding, like in something from Blade to other movies where they're still alive humans um, that serve the vampires to do things during daylight and protect them, but not like in a nobility type of way. It's a very selfish act where they're they're almost like slaves, or they are, you know, they're they're doing it with the promise of being turned to vampires. Yeah, yeah. It's typically in the context of when the vampires are evil, so they're doing evil acts. The only other iteration of familiars I'm familiar with is oh God, I can't believe I just did that. Sorry, I've experienced is with in Castlevania when you summon different familiars, they're all just different types of aspects of creatures or forms. Any type of servant that's like there to support you in your character, yeah, you know, because he'll have a little bat familiar or this familiar, you know, it just means like another creature that's there not having the full power of a vampire but serving the vampire. So I don't know if it has an actual actual it, it sounds like either either definition is like well like what can I turn to or turn into for a useful purpose, you know? Yeah. 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 But but there is no like you said, there is no promise of, of him being turned, you know, or that obviously like Hakan wasn't turned, you know. So we, we already yeah. like we know what the end result's gonna be most likely because of where he ended up. And he was like in the twilight of life anyway, you know, before he died. And, and obviously like just sort of a broken man, right? So there was no promise of anything good, uh if if that's where this thing is gonna end. And I make the assumption that just because the movie is whatever, right? Like that is where it's gonna end for him. Um, yeah, that's what I think is with this, you know, with the development of that relationship, that human servant, if you want to call I, we've, I've been calling it a familiar throughout the podcast, but no, that, that's, that's, that's accurate. That's what I meant yeah. by it is in your terms. I, I think that relationship in this is not based on that promise. It's more based on the promise of, you know, it's based on that relationship and love. That's where that's why in this scene, you know, she's looking at it like that Oscar is this here are these conditions that have to be met. Like he already loves me, but he's probably going to struggle with the idea of murder. And she's been grooming him, like stand up to your bullies, be violent. Hey, I mean, you think my killing is wrong. I have to do it to survive. I must drink. You know, this type of thing is like, it's almost like she's brainwashing him a little bit. to recruit him. I don't think she needs him to be that strong, but she needs him to at least take the step forward of getting in the, the mode of fighting and not taking shit and stuff like that. Because obviously at the end of the movie, you know, she has to help him out. Right. Um, it's not like she stands there and she's like, come on, fight back. Let me make sure you could do this. <laughs> you know, it's not like that. Um, Cause then she wouldn't have Oscar. <laughs> yeah. um, if you want to talk about like how things are like framed or shot, I mean, I think that ending scene uh, is, is quite a spectacle in all those terms. Right. Because, uh, the bullies come back to basically take their like you know revenge on Oscar with like an older kid. I get is he like a brother of somebody? I don't really remember. Yeah, I think like he's Connie's older brother. Yeah, he's clearly older than the rest of them, and he's a lot more aggressive. 
Um, and they're, they're at like a swim class or whatever. And then he's alone. And this kid comes in. He basically holds Oscar underwater for a while. And it, it just seems like, all right, well, this is this is the end of him, you know. Um, and then yeah, because Ellie has gone at this point, she's left him and he's all alone. Yeah. So and he's now and they're trapping him. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just see, I think you hear something and then you see like a kid's head like hit the back of the pool and like sink to the bottom. And <laughs> and then like the hand that's holding him down kind of like just falls over and it's like cut and it's cut at the wrist. Um, yeah. Or the forearm, I guess. And it just sort of floats, sinks down. And he gets back up and like sees a massacre of these children. Um, you don't see any of it. You hear very little. Um, and then you see a kid that wasn't killed, like reacting to it. Like, you know, like just like what he saw, how horrified he is. It's powerful. It's powerful stuff. It's a great way of like, again, showing without showing, which the movie kind of perfects, I think. Yeah. Um, you that know. scene was fantastic. I, I think yeah. the first time I saw it, it just really what a great way to end the movie right yeah you had yeah it's a nice it's a nice climax for something where i didn't really see a big climax like that coming because like we said before the movie doesn't really have much in terms of a plot it's just the character development so yeah to have like something like that like the conversation that was kind of building up we thought was kind of resolved went right when he fought back and then it's mm -hmm. like there's a bigger kid in the playground that comes and uh he, he and she held true to her word that uh, if things get worse i'll protect you Right, exactly, which builds the trust. You know, she does a lot to build trust with him, you know, like teaching him things, you know, not attacking him, right? Because, like, the blood pact you mentioned before, like, she has a hard time not going after his blood. So there's a ton of trust built up. What would happen if, like, he was like, I can't do this? I guess he would fucking be dead, right? I mean... That's true. You know, that he would have been dead in that scene. They would have drowned him. Like, he was already turning blue when he came up. Yeah. Yeah, I think she would just have to kill him because... Like, once again, something to subvert, subvert our expectations, you know, we keep looking at her as a 12-year-old where she could be 300, you know, in that... Yeah, she says she's 12, time, but that's not, that doesn't mean we'd have to believe her, right? Yeah, her, her mind has developed over time where she's, she's mastered this kind of social camouflage, yeah. you know, that she knows she knows how to interact you know that's where it's hard to oh gosh it's really hard to say you know in the are you in the school that she's grooming him and this is all just a major manipulation you know to because she's like hey my my current one is too old i need a new model you know there, well there so there's another way of looking at it i think and you could basically say well it didn't work with hakan right like so she might have gone about this in a totally different way and it didn't work because she she lost him, he fell like in more ways than one. Because he fell apart and then he died, right? So maybe she's trying a new approach to all this. She's like, what if mm. I develop a relationship where there's like some like the, it's not just like out of fear or servitude or whatever. Like it's out of love, right? Like, what yeah. if he loves me? Will it be better? Will I get more of what I need? Will I be happier? Maybe like could this work? So there's something to say about that. Maybe she learned how to like take this to a, a, a take it on a different approach to to sort of like i don't know change her experiences too you know because we keep thinking about this movie in terms of oscar and oscar and what could be mm -hmm. better for oscar and what does he care about and all this kind of bullshit but like she's a main character too right and although like her journey isn't shown because i think they want to keep it a mystery that's the whole beauty of her character is it's mystery right um mm -hmm. She still matters in terms of like what does she need, you know? So you know they they show that with more like quiet moments, I think, throughout the film, you know, like self reflecting moments with herself. Um, so yeah, I, I mean that's just a different way of looking at it, maybe. But um, either she was dealing with the yeah the idea is it better to be loved or feared? Yeah, and I think both. I think they should fear how much they love me. <laughs> <laughs> We've done a lot of Simpson quotes. I just want to throw an office one in there. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> So I guess the movie closes out with them. Here I am on the road again. They're out on the train and you yeah, know, they're heading she, off to Transylvania. She's in a fucking yeah, a very a la uh, Dracula because like she's in like you know a crate or whatever, right? And it's a suitcase, yeah. but she's in there, you know. And that was like sort of how he traveled, but like with his own like soil and dirt and stuff like that. Um, yeah. You know, in a romantic way, right? Like on a boat, she's on a train. I, you know, it's funny because when you think about horror movies, the, the, the horror movies that like have the romantic element are vampire movies, right? Vampires yeah. are always sort of like, you know, depicted 
and uh, um, almost exclusively depicted with a romantic lens. That's a big part of that character. Whether it's whether it's something iconic like Dracula or you know just like a, a no-name kind of vampire like twilight right i mean like that that's huge you know uh for a lot of people and like like romance always plays a really heavy part in those types of movies and this is no different but what do you think like separates this from a lot of other contemporary like horror movies and don't like talk about like fucking twilight like I, <laughs> that's like like yeah. tra- trash novel shit you know what i mean but like obviously it all serves a purpose i'm not like shitting on like whatever people like to get their rocks off for like enjoyment because i watch fucking Godzilla movies, you know what I mean? So I'm not judging anybody. But like Yeah. Um like as far as like contemporary movies that came out, like like some modern movies that came out about vampires around this time until now, like how do you feel it compares? You know, when you compare it to other vampire movies, is this really uses the the vampire legend as as just like a backdrop to open this conversation about these these much bigger themes of morality life and death love and relationships is it's a drama that's sort of a horror movie you got some horror elements rather than a horror movie that has some drama elements yeah sure i don't see a lot in you know jokingly if you want to look at twilight um i mean that's you know it's a it's a popcorn love story it's not it doesn't explore anything deep it really just scratches the surface of that sort of thing um you look at uh, dracula you know the like the, the latest iterations of it you know they they tell a deeper love story but it's about just about love it's not about they never go into the morality of it and you know and have you really sit there and think like well, what's going on with this? You know, how do I feel about that? Is like to start to turn your mind, just like she's doing to Oscar. Exactly. Just like a yeah. Well, the best stories, yeah. the best stories, they don't answer a question; they ask one, right? So, like that's what yeah. this does. Yeah. And I feel like that's why I wanted to talk about this one because it's, yeah, you know, if I if, if you had to decide, like if I gave you a multiple choice, you know, is do you think that she's manipulating him and this is her goal, or do you think that? It's like I know it's both aspects. I think it's multifaceted. But what do you what do you think if you have to do a fifty one forty nine? Do you think it's more a manipulation, like a recruitment, or do you think it's the development of a relationship? I think I think that it's probably a little bit more in the manipulation aspect, just because of um, you know, she's not a human, right? Like she yeah. has to live in a human world, so she'll never fully be um able to like just enjoy like these aspects without something in something like needing something for her out of it to survive like because she has to kill people to live like that's just what it is right so like there's no way that like she could be completely vulnerable to just like say well fuck it you know unless there's a moment right and it's not in this movie so to answer your question i'm going to say manipulation but if they if they explored this further with like another movie or a book or whatever and like she sort of grew, you know, like different attachments, you know, or different attachment to Oscar in general, where she cared more about others than herself and didn't worry about mm-hmm. that anymore. Then, yeah, maybe I would say that would be the case, but it wasn't a story told in this movie. And I know there is a short story that, that that's a sequel to this. I don't know if you knew about oh. that. Yeah, is this like fan fiction? Or no, no, it, it's, it's it's written by the same author. This, so the oh, same the same wow. author. Yeah, he wrote. Um, a, sh- a book of short stories that were like epilogues to some of his popular books. From what I read, I believe that's what it is. And one of the short stories, I forget the title of it, but it's about older Oscar and Ellie, and they basically have the same kind of like relationship like that she had with Hakan. Um, mm. So that's where it was going. So it does answer that question for you. I don't, I don't know much more about it, how deep it goes, or what's the what the relationship is like at that point. But that that's what's like canon supposedly in the books. That's what I would have guessed as far as my guess as well. There's no reason not to believe that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you want to believe. You want to believe in this love story. and But, I mean, come on. You've seen this kid do water aerobics. I mean, how? <laughs> <laughs> Unless he really, like, gets his shit in gear. <laughs> it's not going to go well for Oscar. <laughs> um, you got anything else? Um, just that this is by far the best movie adaptation of the hobbit i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was the scene there's a scene in the classroom right remember when they were like i, I told they were reading the hobbit <laughs> and there, there's like a kid in the focal point and i thought it was oscar 
But then when the teacher moves, Oscar's sitting somewhere else. I'm like, I'm a Swedish racist. I was like, the whole time I thought that was him. Uh, so, yeah. I got nothing else, really. I think we kind of hit everything. So, so all in all, I mean, you know, uh, most movies that we talk about on this podcast, it's either like making fun of it and watch it with a group of friends or, or don't, right? Or they're really great. You should check it out. Um, so... Obviously, we're in the camp of this is really great. You should check it out. Um, there's a couple ways to see this movie. And probably the best way is just to, um, not that I'm like, need to advertise because I don't have any affiliation with it. But uh, if anyone has like the Voodoo app to watch um, streaming movies, they have it for free. So you can watch it for free with ads on there. Um, otherwise, you could rent it on a lot of other platforms. But it's, you know, it's it's easy like to get your hands on just like anything else is nowadays for the most part, right? You can pretty much watch whatever you want, whenever you want, uh, which yeah. is a great part of times we're living in i i highly recommend it if you can get you know if you could deal with watching a movie and reading subtitles said earlier on some people just that's not really their thing and i get that um that's the only part about it i think that might be like a little less accessible but other than that like it's not a gory horror movie like you said before at all um i feel like the trailer is probably cut by americans anyway i don't think we've seen the swedish trailer you know um (laughs) so (laughs) <laughs> they're, 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 that's what they have to do to kind of amp your interest right in a yeah. foreign film the Swedish trailer is all conversation it's like dash be dash Rubik's Cube <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's better you know honestly like I, it, it's just it's a movie that's really great to go into blind not, not not that you can now if you listen to the fucking podcast but like if you went into a blind yeah, you should say that at the beginning so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I could cut it in but I'm just too lazy to do that yeah I would say it's like I would strongly recommend watching this movie because even if you know a little bit about the fact that she's a vampire, if you didn't, that would make it even better. You know, Um, there's a lot going, the blinder you go into this movie with the exception of actually being visually impaired. um, (laughs) Because you can't even understand it. (laughs) Yeah. Because you want, yeah, you can't, you know, exactly. Obviously it's a strong check it out um, for me and obviously for Matt. So, go check this movie out. Do yourself a favor. Yeah, just weigh in on it. I'm curious what you guys think. And, and, and you know yeah. what? If it's been a while since you've seen it, watch it again. Because it's pretty... It's I, I, Like I said, I saw it when it came out. Right? It was a long time ago. And uh, I saw it again now. And I just have a different perspective on life, obviously. right? So, I, see, I saw this a little bit differently. So, uh, yeah, check that one out. And thank you guys for listening. Um, we, what we were thinking about doing this whole podcast in Swedish, but um, you heard we only know the three words, so it would have been weird. But Yeah, we've just been like, okay, Rubik's Cube. Rubik's okay, Cube, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then like... Per, okay, per, okay. Per, pronounce the name that's under my coffee table on the sticker. <laughs> when she goes, how did you get into the room? And she says, it says, I flew. And she's like, it flew. And I was like, hey, I know that. <laughs> she could just push the door open because isn't everything held together in Sweden by wooden dowels? That's what I learned <laughs> from building shit from Ikea. <laughs> hey, not for nothing. Uh, how did she get into the pool area? What do you mean? She wasn't invited. Isn't it, it was a public building? Does it matter? Because she got into the hospital, but she didn't get into the hospital room. Oh, that's probably what it is. It might yeah. be like the stipulation it has to be a room as opposed to like a a, a, a big space or something like right, that. Right, because she lives in a, she lives in a, a like in a condo apartment. How would she even walk in the front door to begin with? You know, what I mean, she doesn't. They it. show her at the opening. She walks into the building yeah. before Hakan. But yeah. I think that to get into the room, he probably had to go in and invite her in. I'm really glad we addressed that because I, I consider that the only plot hole. But yeah, I think no. I completely agree with you because yeah. with the hospital and with the apartment building, yeah. Cool. Um, All right. So, uh, yeah, check it out. And thanks for listening. Make sure you check us out on social media, the SoMeds. Um, Thanks so much for having me, Joe. Yeah, man. And uh, I'll have you back, obviously, next month. uh, We're going to probably talk about some newer stuff because it's been a while. We'll do that. And, um, yeah, man, I'm really glad uh, we watched this. I'm glad you came on. I had a really good time talking about it because I haven't talked about this movie in fucking forever. But um, I'll (laughs) bid you find uh, listeners a farewell. Uh, Thanks again for listening and fucking good night. Good night. Next week on Sexy Vampire Teeth Podcast. Next month on the podcast, we're going to be talking about some of the newer movies that came out this year that we didn't really get a chance to talk about so far. Uh, Movies that we skipped over that we have a decent amount to say about. We're going to be talking about movies like X, Fresh, and Uma, to name a few. Uh, and then a couple other ones that may be a little bit more uh, obscure, not on somebody's, uh, not on everybody's radar, that are definitely worth talking about. 
So hopefully you guys tune in next month and enjoy all the content we have for you. And uh, keep on listening. And we'll see you then. Hey guys, if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and Apple iTunes. Also, you can follow us on social media. We have Twitter, and that's at Sexy Vamp Teeth. We also have Instagram at the Sexy Vampire Teeth Podcast. And if you want to follow Justin, all you that's need to me. do... Oh, you're still on the phone? Uh, I very rarely ever hang up. Tell the people where they could follow you, Justin. Well, if you want to follow me on Facebook, you can find me as Justin Tong. If you want to follow me on Instagram, you can find me jtong81. And if you want to follow me on Slasher, the horror-based social media site, you can find me at Sexy Vampire Teeth Pod. And if you want to follow me on social media, you can't. I'm off the stuff. So if you guys want updates on the show, please follow us on our social media sites. And make sure to tune in every Monday night for a new episode. Thanks for listening, guys, and good night. So long, everybody. You've been listening to the Sexy Vampire Teeth Podcast. 